poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson, along with my co-host, Duncan Palamortis. It is Philosophical Friday. Duncan, how are we doing, sir? I'm doing very well, Brad. How's everything with you? Everything's going well. The YouTube listeners can see that you are clean cut. You look well-groomed everything is yeah you're looking good today i i i appreciate it you know it's it's nice to look good once in a while so you know can surprise people you know if you look good every day it doesn't make any difference anymore yeah exactly that's that's how you you know frame it frame it to rationalize it frame it to your significant other that way i'm sure (laughs) that'll just go over very well that's right um what's on the agenda today on this very philosophical of days well, I wanted to say that we had a many, a great deal of many interesting topics uh, in the village today, and it was really, really, really tough to pick one because we're very interested in many of these topics. Uh, people were talking about studying, uh, they were talking about the markets, uh, they were talking about a, a great deal of many interesting thing, topics and other things too. Um, but you know, in terms of how much time we have available today, we decided to go and tackle a different topic, the idea of entitlement, the idea of what as poker players and humans in general, we deserve, quote unquote, deserve based on the amount of work that we've put or based on the circumstances or based on other external factors. So we decided to, you know, title this uh, entitlement, you know, uh, and basically the things that we're going to try to explore is what is entitlement in general? How does entitlement apply to poker? Are winning poker players uh, entitled and should they be uh, entitled? Do they have the right to feel that they deserve certain outcomes? Uh, Is denying entitlement nihilistic, uh, basically saying that, you know, uh, nobody owes you anything and things like that? Is that just a nihilistic approach? How does that, of course, generalize to the rest of the world and what can we learn uh, from it? These are the type of questions. Yeah, very nice. So I guess we start in the place where we tend to start of, defining entitlement right right so how do you think of entitlement what what comes to mind uh when both in terms of um general settings and in 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 the poker world Uh, when you somebody says uh, this person is entitled what comes to mind what comes to mind is that you take one action and you believe that because you took said action you deserve a very specific positive return for taking said action is mm-hmm. how I look at entitlement. Right. Um, just in general, it's like uh, you, you get out specifically what you put in instantaneously is right. the, the thought. Absolutely. And and that is immediately, we can say, problem number one with, uh, with that, uh, not necessarily the definition, with that approach. It's sort of like a very deterministic approach to an otherwise 
completely stochastic life, right? Not only uh, we do not know what the outcome is in, in, in this world, right? I mean, we talked about uncertainty uh, before, um, but at the same time, even if we knew what the outcome is supposed to be, there is also extra noise that surrounds that outcome. So, uh, for example, um, it's not enough to know that tomorrow it's going to be cloudy. Then there's degrees of cloudiness. Like, how cloudy is it going to be? Is it going to be very cloudy, a little cloudy? Is it going to change midday? So there's a lot of, even if for definite or definite looking outcomes, there's a lot of degrees and a lot of different colors. So any sort of expectation for something fixed goes against what actually the world is like, right? So the, the very notion I would say, uh, the very notion of entitlement is against life, is uh, uh, violates the principles of life. So we're basically, it's a wishful thinking uh, in, uh, in an otherwise completely different world. So you're saying that uh, entitlement, we, we can just call it, no, no, it's, it's not a thing. <laughs> Don't. It is right. I mean, it's something we can wish for. I mean, it's something that you know people can have all the all the expectations that they they want. The issue is that um, it, it doesn't. It, it's not compatible with uh, with with life, right? I yeah. mean, it's it, it, it's 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 similar to um, let's say to the idealistic man. I mean, you can say you know we can create stories about immortal human beings and things like that that just doesn't exist in the real world. So there might be value, potentially, we can discuss the potential value of, um, uh, let's say, of idealized uh, thought processes, and then entitlement is an idealized uh, thought process. We can talk about the potential benefits, uh, but it doesn't exist in, in real life, I would say. Yeah, there's a lot of danger in this thought that I think we kind of subconsciously have or go through on a daily basis or on a regular basis, right? It's this thought of like, if I tie up this loose end, if I do this and then I do this and then I do this and I get this in order and I pay off this debt and I resolve this relationship, then everything in my life is harmonious. There's mm -hmm. no downside. There's no sadness. I, I don't feel all these pressures and all of these emotions that are uncomfortable. And we live our lives to like, a lot of us just, we just live our lives with that frame and that thought that we do everything. It's, it's perfect, right? Without realizing that like we're building the foundation of our life on a house of cards. Right. Because, going to fail it, right. because it, it is going to fail. Inevitably things will go wrong and that's just not any sort of realistic way. But, but we kind of feel that way, right? We feel like it, we do this, we do this, this, this is going to be the outcome and I'm going to feel perfectly happy, right? When the reality is like, we just probably need to work on feeling happy in uncertainty and in the face of adversity. And despite shit going wrong, that's, you know, maybe in our control or even beyond our control or whatever it is. So yeah, like I think that that is one of the major dangers. Um, and let me pinpoint something on what you just said. Wrong doesn't necessarily mean that things can go worse than we had anticipated. Actually, wrong could mean they could go better than we had thought, but sure. still it's a failure because we plan for a specific thing. It's like it's like rolling a million dice, right? And we say we're going to roll a million dice, literally a million dice, and we want the dice to come in the specific outcome. The first die is going to be a five. The second one is going to be a two. The third one is going to be a six. Then we're going to get a bunch of ones. Then we're going to get, you know, and the problem with this is that obviously the odds of that are astronomically 
uh, low for anybody who's interested in in math is one over six to the one million right i mean it's not going to happen so no matter you know what you know we, we anticipate even if one die gets a little bit different we're gonna we're gonna feel like a failure because again um we could, could not uh, get it get it on the nose so wrong doesn't necessarily mean we're worse off it could mean we just didn't predict we're bad at prediction so yeah. um very bad at prediction very, very bad, bad at prediction right yeah they're just it's we think poker is like a complex complex game and a complicated game and it is right but life it does not hold a candle to life and the variables and the data points that exactly. you can't possibly account for um, it, it, it's it's not even close and that's 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 a good lesson that poker can teach us for life right i mean that life is even worse in terms of complexity yeah so uh i guess moving on you know the question mm -hmm. of are winning poker players entitled mm -hmm. and i guess i'll ask you what exactly you mean by that question Right. So do poker players expect that things should go a certain way? Like, for example, you know, I'm better than that uh, player X, like Kyle uh, mentioned in, uh, uh, in, in, the, in the thread. And by the way, in case we forgot to mention, a uh, huge shout out to Kyle for bringing this, this incredible topic uh, and uh, to the entire village community. These are very interesting things to talk about. Um, but yeah, like Kyle put it, you know, like again, in, in his own words, you know, um, I got it in good. Do I de deserve to win this hand? Or, you know, uh, one player has been working hard. They deserve to win the tournament, blah, 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 blah. He puts deserve in quotes correctly. Yeah. Uh, in, in my opinion. And incidentally, he draws inspiration from a, a YouTube video that Bart Hansen did uh, titled, you know, poker doesn't owe you anything again. Yeah. Uh, Bart being, uh, you know spot on on this one so what do i mean by that is that do poker players uh feel that hey i should win this hand or this should go one way or another and i don't mean it just uh, um hypothetically i mean in practice because it doesn't matter what people think it matters how they act yeah. and do they really let their blood boil when they actually lose with aces versus kings in an all-in pre-flop because they're like i have to win i should win yeah and so that's, that's the question that i'm asking what's amusing what's amusing about this is that like I, so consciously i think most people will say that they're not entitled however their actions in the heat of the moment say that in fact they certainly do feel entitled right so like there there is this disconnect between like philosophically thinking about it and then like when the rubber hits the road in real life feeling and navigating through those emotions. Uh, my gut instinct says that, I mean, the higher the pressure, the more we're going to feel it, the, the bigger the spot, you know, you have a uh, chip EV pot at a giant you know, WSOP event that's going on right now where mm -hmm. first place is a million, right? And your equity is like $300,000 in this pot that doesn't go. Well, that one we're probably going to feel a lot more than a tiny pot in a, a tournament that has like almost no bearing on anything. So like, or a cash game pot or whatever it is, right? So I think that like those kinds of situations, firstly, they're, they're outliers, just they don't happen to us that often because we don't get that many opportunities in those sort of gigantic high leverage spots. So I, I would say that like, See, so I'm conflicted because mm -hmm. part of me is saying like the 
established, mature, professional poker player deals with this at a much, much higher level than even an immature professional reg. They, right. They're able to deal with this and compartmentalize and like understand that like we're playing a marathon here. It's a long game. And so like just uh, we're able to recover from those those situations and we're just able to like move on and play the next hand to the best of our ability. I, I think that like that's something that like battle-worn, battle-tested, mature pros can do. However, I will say that like I see – Examples in live poker of people berating dealers based on some kind of run out, like some entity that's like totally beyond their control that they're people that should know better and quite frankly are just like out of line and really, or just, you know, I saw on Twitter a, a pro who berated a player for playing a hand they're not supposed to play in in a game at the WSOP, right? It's like, right. What, are well, we... what people should and shouldn't know, like that's a completely like different different question too. Or you have like the, the Phil Helmets of the world, which still have issue with entitlement up to up to this day. But, I don't think uh, it's just Phil Helmuth though. I think it's people yeah. that have been on the tour for decades. That I agree. I agree. For actually. some ungodly reason, don't understand that like don't understand that like this is not being a fucking pro. This is being an amateur. This is being um a child somebody that ought to know better uh it's right. it just an, an immature level and, and i think that the people that are like that after decades maybe phil helmuth is like the outlier of all outliers typically are not very successful poker players they typically do not mm -hmm. have outsized results they've got an excuse for everything why right. they didn't win the tournament why they've never won a major bracelet event why they lose poker this month there's some sort of outside force that's holding them down right is that they don't accept responsibility for their own stuff so yeah i think my my real feelings on entitlement are like i think that i think you should be entitled as a poker player actually and this is um you know, maybe controversial but the focus of the entitlement i think is all wrong i think that you should be entitled in the sense that you wake up and you play with discipline and intensity you should be entitled that when you sit down at the table you're going to give it hell and you're going to have an edge and you're going to make great decisions and eventually over the long run you will win right but the thing to, that really matters is your ability to hold it together when other folks are cracking and punting and giving away their stacks like that that that's the thing that i think we should feel entitled about is like our ability as high level players to perform at that level on a day-to-day basis um but the results of the cards no who cares like it doesn't matter the, the right. only thing we're measured by are our decisions that we make in those moments because on a long enough timeline we all play the same hands we all deal with the same bad beats we all have the same coolers that all a averages out and who cares so so you basically want to if i hear this correctly you want to shift the definition a little bit which is by the way it's perfectly fine by me definition yep. is just calling things names you do not want to uh, call entitled uh, entitlement something that is external, but something that is internal, right? I think so, it could be both. Uh, I, like, I think there's like external and internal, but maybe it's all internal, right? And the internal just flows outward to the external. The, the, the reason why I'm asking is because, like, I mean, you said things like, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do my best. I would say even that is not guaranteed, right? Sure. What if, you know, you have like a heart attack or, you know, something like in the, in the, like in the middle yeah. of it, right? So 
in that sense, we can we can strive for you know whatever intentions we have, but the outcome is is beyond our control, like completely sure. beyond beyond our control. It I is. Yeah. yeah, and you know, go ahead. Well, I would I would further to say like, whenever you strive to play your best and you get feedback that indicates you're not like then you just can cut it you know you just kill that session if you're playing a cash game session uh, i don't know what to do in a tournament i hope i never can play in a tournament to feel that feeling of being stuck there <laughs> playing right. my, my d game but um yeah like you, you are right the, the that is beyond our control is that how we actually show up and how we actually perform i mean we could have a cold that we're unaware of that's affecting us cognitively we could um not get the right sleep we could eat something that messes with us internally that lowers our level of performance there are a lot of different variables that we can't really account for right exactly and and i mean part of part of kyle's question is you know in the form of deserving should we expect, that's why I'm saying it's it's largely external in that typical definition, uh, should we expect a specific outcome to be in a certain way? Yeah, I think that in general, and there are outliers here, but in general, my expectation as a professional poker player is to show the fuck up and play at a very high level. And that's it. That's my expectation. Now, and even things, that can fail. And even that can fail. Right. Because of the, you know, their outlier events, I think, like, due to, you know, just all the variables we just talked about. But, like, that's the thing that, that to me, um, if I'm going to feel entitled about something, I'm going to feel entitled about my ability as a poker player and my ability to perform at a very high level and hold myself accountable and to that standard moving forward. Um, the results, I, again, the results are whatever. I don't care if my aces get cracked. Like, yeah, right. It, the the subtle thing that I'm saying is that what you're talking about there is still results, right? So if you sure. actually show up, it's our own performance, right? It's your own yeah. performance, right? So, and and I would argue, like again, um, somebody can call me absolutist in that sense, but I would argue that even that we don't have control over, right? I mean, you can no. say, you know, that I want to perform, and you can, and and this comes from like a an overachiever, right? You know, like sure. I. I very difficult for me to forgive myself and that's something i have to work really hard on uh but the the fact of the matter is that like showing up and performing at the best of our abilities not in our control you know not 100 yeah. in our control i mean that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive and we shouldn't try to increase the odds right that's that's a different thing so because again the nihilist will come and say wait wait a minute are you saying that you know there's nothing we can do so we have to be very very careful I mean, mm -hmm. This is not what I'm saying. It's not that we there's nothing we can do. It's just no matter how hard we try, there's never going to be this 100% that we're striving for. Sure. But, yeah, I'm going to show up tomorrow. No, you, you don't know you're going to show up tomorrow. You intend to show up tomorrow. And you, you do know, everything and, you can in your you do, in your power to to make that happen, right? You, you can, think you can, do everything control, you can. You can try to control the things that are within your control, basically. Exactly. You think you try to control everything that, it, which is great, by the way, like thinking all of these things. And, the, and then, you know, hopefully you've increased the odds to the point where, you know, you make like a, a, a profitable bet, but everything else is just noise and uncertainty. And there's lots, <laughs> lots of it. Yeah. But you did, you did mention something uh, earlier. And I didn't want to interrupt you. That was, that was incredible. Like the, the difference between amateur players and professionals. And you reminded me, the names elude me at this point, but you reminded me of an instance uh, in a WSOP final table. It, it, it was around 2010, it, it could have been, 
Um, some of the listeners will remember the details. So uh, the flop was, um, I believe it was uh, King Jack Jack, uh, a guy from either Russia uh, or, uh, or, or I think he was actually from Ukraine, which is, uh, um, he was from Ukraine, yes. And, has nothing to do with the current politics but yeah uh, and uh, he flopped he flopped the boat he had king jack his opponent has ace jack uh, all the money goes in this is the final table right yeah. i mean we're down to very few players and um in an interview basically he said my friends were cheering the whole time it's like i have i flopped the full house you know my opponent has ace jack and all i'm thinking you know is that is that my opponent can actually hit a three outer right mm -hmm which is the, the correct way for any professional to think <laughs> at that point, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's not like his opponent is, is drawing live, right? I mean, he's drawing live, he's not drawing dead, but but his friends, I mean, amateurs, of course, you know, they would think that's, that's entitlement in a nutshell, but that's entitlement also due to ignorance, right? I mean, part of that entitlement can be eradicated by just thinking that, listen, you're not 100%. As I often put it, you know, when aces go against kings, not your entire body deserves to win that hand. About 80% of your body deserves to win it, right? Maybe your torso, uh, your, your, your head, and your arms, but your legs do not deserve to win that hand, right? We, just, yeah. we live in a society that's so results-based that it's almost ingrained into our culture, these type of like sports event where a team is supposed to win 90% of the time and they fall apart. And then, you know, the talking heads will ruminate on what happened, you know, over right. the, the course of the next month, right, in, in a big spot and blame everybody, blame the coaches, blame the players, blame the refs, just put all the blame as to why this happened and tear everything apart. And what people don't realize is 90% is not 100%, that 10% happens way more often than we would think about, you know, if, if it were in days, it would happen about every week and a half. Um, so it's like, about 10% of the time, about 10% of the time. It, it, that's, that's, that's correct. You're a math guy. So, you know, you, you understand where I'm coming from. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw somebody on Twitter, uh, some person of influence that, you know, retweeted a, a thing. I believe it was like, um, vaccine related because that seemed, seemed to be the topic for, for quite a while there, but it was, uh, something along the lines of like, if my weatherman told me that it was supposed to be sunny 90% of the time and it rained tomorrow, I would find a new weatherman. And I think that that, that is just so symbolic of humanity and how we don't think in any gradient. We don't think of in any spectrum. And we think that like, oh, 90%, let's just round up to a hundred. And that just, this isn't life. This isn't life in any sense. Was that the one that Andrew responded? Oh, you know what? I mean, the three people lost with aces in the tournament, so they should never play aces again. Something like that. <laughs> I, I did. I did see that one, and it it did make me. But no, this was like way before then. But there's examples okay. like yeah. all over the place, right? It's like classic example, sports example is like the Super Bowl where uh, Malcolm Butler. And this is out of your forte, so I assume the audience knows what I'm talking about. But <laughs> the Seahawks and the Patriots, um, they're at like the one-yard line. And instead of uh, running the ball with Marshawn Lynch, they instead went play action, fake to Marshawn Lynch, threw a slant. Malcolm Butler undercut it. Uh, 
Patriots won a Super Bowl and the Seahawks lost a Super Bowl, right? And just for years now, they're probably still Seahawks fans still fuming about it because they have, you know, one of the great running backs in the league who's a bruiser and he had to get one yard for a touchdown and instead they threw the ball. How could they? What a terrible decision, right? And then you look at it afterwards in the analytics side and there had been something like 96 play action passes ran from within the three yard line that season. And there had been zero interceptions, <laughs> right? It yeah. was like, they're playing the numbers, right? They were playing the numbers for mm-hmm. sure. Got a bad result. A player made a, a really good play. And there's nothing that says that you hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. He's not going to fumble it, or he's not going to get tackled three yards, three yard right. loss. Right. But we focus on what didn't happen or what was supposed to happen. What was supposed to happen was Marshawn Lynch gets the ball and run it in. Instead, we threw it and we threw a pick. Of course we did, you know, but really what, what, like that was a high percentage play. And, I, and it's just like these things happen again and again and again in the sports world and, you know, football, again, there's massive variance. We got a bunch of giants playing with an oblong ball that can hit the ground and bounce any number of directions. So like there is this luck element with, within, you know, all the sporting arenas and also in poker. And I mean, we just have to recognize it like, yeah, 10%, that ain't zero. Um, these right. low outcome events, they're going to happen. They're going to happen often, more often than you think. And you just have to deal with it. Right. There, there, there are, to be fair, there are a couple of problems with that. And I, I try to argue this uh, in the seventh chapter of my book a lot. We're not wired to deal with probability. And there's a reason why we think we we rounding uh, percentages to the nearest 100, right? 90% is 100% and 30% is zero. There's a reason for that because we cannot uh, dissect an outcome, right? We're not, uh, our brains do not think quantum mechanically, right? I mean, so our brains have to think in a binary way uh, or multiple binary ways, if you want to spread it out, the, the decision tree. But mm-hmm. the, the thing is that we cannot... Um, split probabilities, right? We cannot uh, um, think in terms of, of, of percentages. Yeah. Poker and, players and, don't have that luxury. <laughs> exactly. That's, that, 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 that's true. And, and I think that's, that's an issue. However, one thing we can say is that um, we can not necessarily, um, we cannot expect to start thinking stochastically or in a probabilistic way, because we cannot really do it. Like, I mean, we can we can do it, but we can never feel it. We cannot expect to ever feel uh, probabilities in in that sense. But one thing that we can uh, we can actually do is that we can come to terms with that deficiency. This is this is two different things, right? One thing is we are in denial and we're thinking to ourselves, you know, what either probability doesn't exist, one form of denial, or you know what, I can think like uh, like an electron, right? I mean, I can think like, and, and, and again, all the, uh, you know, physicists out there, they're probably pulling their hair because they're like, what are you putting, you know, agency to, to an electron? What, what, what the hell is that? No, what I'm talking about is that, you know, um, anyway, so one way would be to deny a probability 100%, and the other way would be to try to think probabilistically. Both of these approaches will fail. I can guarantee you that. Like both of these approaches will fail because we're not wired to do that. Failing to accept probability is a mistake because, again, all things being equal, results can have different outcomes. But also trying to think probabilistically is going to fail because we're not wired. We don't have the genes for that. We're not wired to think that way. So it is more of like an acceptance of our deficiency 
uh, versus anything else. And I think this is very important here when we start talking about deserving. Like, for example, to give you an idea, because one of some of the questions that Kyle is asking, he's realizing that this is a much broader question. It's like, what do I deserve as part of my company, right? What do I deserve as a citizen of a country? What do I deserve as a human? And, and honestly, like my, my personal answer um, is a big fat zero. We deserve absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but as a matter of fact, it is one of my biggest surprises that we're, we can actually walk inside a restaurant and have a peaceful meal. I just don't understand how that works. If you look at history, right? There's so many uncontrollable factors. I don't understand why we're not cutting each other's throats, right? I mean, why don't like some, some psychopaths, you know, why, you know, we're not in World War III yet. Why one of these- oh, Give it time, uh, give it you know, time. Give it time, exactly, that's what I, <laughs> you know, if you ask me to bet, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we'll, we'll make it more than another uh, 100 years, and maybe 100 years is, was way too much. The frequencies of world worlds have increased- ray of, ray of sunshine, Palomortis. <laughs> I, I am indeed, I am indeed. But, but is, is uh, I really want to ask that question though, because I, I, think, uh, I think this is not nihilistic, by the way. It's, it's the opposite. It's appreciative of what we've actually accomplished, right? The fact that we're actually able to go inside a restaurant and have a peaceful meal shows that somehow we figure it out against all odds, right? So humans somehow have to figure it out. But I want to pass that question to you. Is denying entitlement, namely that uh, we cannot be entitled to anything, like life owes us nothing, let's say, I'm not saying we should take that position. I'm saying if we took that position, mm -hmm. is that nihilistic? Would you think that nihilistic? That you know, life owes us nothing. Poker owes us nothing. Uh, we shouldn't expect so. not get uh, cancer and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's nihilistic. I think it's just the reality. Uh, I think mean, it's the reality. I think it's just the fundamental reality of the existence of humanity. We can say like, you know, for I mean, we we can just go back to the element of like luck and chance and like you said yeah we can go eat a meal in peace together i mean there's probably places in the world in this very moment where they struggle to go out to a restaurant and peacefully eat a meal together and why are they there did is it like because they were bad people that were sentenced to such a life of you know war and strife and anguish no it's because they were born in the wrong place something totally beyond their control. And so really we start from this, you know, in my life, I've started from a place of privilege. I was born in a very fortunate place. I was just it, very fortunate in many, many different ways. And that is nothing but pure luck. And so to assume that I deserve future luck because I was born into past luck, I think is just, foolish it doesn't make any sense to me um absolutely and i would i would piggyback on that because you are fortunate i am fortunate the listener most likely they're fortunate just the fact that they have the, the you know the opportunity to listen to a podcast how this could they huge. be more fortunate than listening right. to us right now driving down the road this is the <laughs> oh, this is the pinnacle of fortune right now not where i was going but yeah <laughs> good point but but also uh, one one more thing, it really um, need we really need a lot of good apples to be able to eat a peaceful meal. It really just take one bad apple to ruin it for everybody. Yeah, which it's is easy to tear stuff down. It's easy to break shit. 
so easy and especially you know with the forces that we have like the nuclear forces these days uh, like it's it's so much easier which is why i'm so incredibly surprised you know about the way how far we've, we've come so if anything this is not a way to say oh you know what i want to have that tomorrow we have to work hard and i mean work our asses off to be able to maintain make sure that tomorrow actually comes and then you know a lot of people say you know oh not well, make sure we can try yeah, yeah we, exactly. We can do what we can. Exactly. Please correct going, going me. Back, please. There's no, yes. No guarantee. You. No guarantees. Exactly. Exactly. You see, but the language itself—that's actually a good point. I don't think, honestly, I don't think in myself that there's guarantees, right? But the language itself, use like make sure, right? We've created those languages. That's that's how we use it in everyday life. I don't think the words I'm going to use, like they sort of like come sure, sure, unconsciously, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So that is we're using definite words for indefinite outcomes. Yeah, right? because that, you would be a You'd sound like a psychopath if you just right. <laughs> qualified everything that you said in a day-to-day -day life. Like, right. I will. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna go. Go pick up the kids, babe. There's a 99.997 <laughs> chance I'll make it back alive. I love you. Um, you know, it's like, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's, you. You. I'm gonna go get a meal. There's a point zero zero one percent chance I fall through a grate and break my neck. Like when I on the way into the restaurant, like. Or, or worse yet, there's a 99% chance I'm gonna make it to school, otherwise I'm gonna go somewhere else, you know, have a coffee or something. You know? Right, um, it's just like, well, <laughs> you know, you, you would just be, people would look at you like you're a space alien, rightfully so, by the way, don't right. don't don't go about your life doing that. But no. yeah, we, we make guarantees and assumptions because, I mean, the alternative is terrifying, frankly. Actually, to, to, to your point, you know, like don't go in and, and do that outside. Actually, I've spent a considerable amount of time thinking about this in the, in, in the book that I'm writing and hopefully it's going to be published at some point, maybe, maybe not. But one of the things that I'm, I'm talking about, it, it can be basically summarized with an ancient saying that says, measure twice, cut once, right? So I, I'm a big proponent that no matter what we do, we need to do it with ultra confidence. What we do needs to be done with ultra confidence. However, at the meta meta level, when we evaluate that thing, all sorts of doubts should come in and all sorts of analyzing and all sorts of things, either before the fact or after the fact, so we can improve in the next action. But when we act, when we say something, we have to be 100% because that's how we work. There is no 90% action, right? Action is always either 100% or 0%. There's not in between. We're binary. We either do it or we don't. So when we talk, when we act, when we do, we have to be absolute. Now, when we analyze things, it's a completely different story, right? I mean, we can talk about it, you know, we can think all, all we want, but we have to be absolute and ultra confident and wrong, but the wrong is going to happen at a different level. We're going to realize we're wrong later. So as I often say, don't worry if you're wrong, you're wrong, 100%. I'm wrong, you're wrong, everybody's wrong. Don't worry, you're an idiot, I'm an idiot, everybody's an idiot. So, but the point is we can act uh, in, be you know idiots and wrong together and then we can analyze about that later uh, instead of just holding there and then try to be perfect and, and failing at that yeah um and so i'm going to end on a, a horrific note um, <laughs> just not actually being serious for for a okay. moment um okay. i think that the the thing that you touched on before that i think is most powerful maybe the smartest thing that i've heard you say <laughs> which is a compliment by the way you say lots of smart things but <laughs> the notion of being gra grateful for 
what we have when what we have is you know, tenuous at best. Uh, the things that we value in our lives, I think, is of the utmost importance. You know, there's um, recent shootings in in the United States in Evaldi. Um, parents kissed their children, took them to school, and never saw them again. Um, and the reality is, is that that's not a thing that they could have predicted and very low frequency event, very small percentage. But the fact was that, that it did happen, right? And so these outlier events, these things that we know consciously, logically, they can happen in our day-to-day lives. We just black it out, right? We black out the possibility of it happening, but being grateful because we don't know when they're going to happen. We don't know when the last time we speak to the people that we love the most and that we value the most in this world is going to be. We don't know um, in a, you know, a less emotional context of poker, right? We don't, we don't even know when the last time we're going to play poker with our friends is going to be. We don't know the last tournament that we're going to enter. We don't know any of this, right? And, and so when we're pursuing these endeavors, when we're spending time with the people that we love, be grateful. Be grateful that it's here now and it's in front of us and, you know, look down at what we have instead of looking up at what we need to, to feel good, to feel comfortable, to feel like we've made it, you know, to feel safe, right? Just pay attention to what you have right now because, you know, like I said, I'm going to go get my kids and there is not a guarantee I, I make it back. It, it is not. So um, on that note, you know, I'm very grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for my friends, my, my wife, my children, my friends. I'm just immensely grateful for the opportunity to live on this planet for the time that I get to live that will be beyond my control. I promise that because I don't want to go out but I will. <laughs> Inevitably, it, it's going to happen. So yeah, I think that like just gratitude solves a lot of, a lot of these things. It, it just is such a necessary component to living a fruitful, happy, um, joyous life. Absolutely. And uh, likewise, and one thing that I'm going to say also from a utility standpoint, it is easier to win if you are um, grateful about things that happen. What do I mean by that? Uh, you, you, you can think of it this way. If you really strive to be at a specific point, you will always fall short. So that's always going to be a loss. However, if you basically think you're at zero or at near zero, anything that happens, anything at all, it's go- you're going to perceive it as, as a win. One of the things that, uh, you know, like I like to talk to a lot of people, you know, like I take the bus, I talk, I talk to the drivers, you know, like I, I like to talk to, to people in general, the casino, the dealers, the, all, all the people, like and, and, and hear the stories. And some of the things that a lot of people are telling me, you know, what things that they ask them, how's your day going so far? One of the things they're going to tell me a lot, and I hear that a lot from a lot of people, is that, you know, every day above the ground is another great day. So that's a victory. Like these people are like taking these days to like to to victory and i think this is an excellent standpoint instead of just you know being entitled is a life of misery it's a life of failure it's a life of um no, falling short instead you know basically what you just described is all of these little little victories and it's not just a oh i'm just saying it to say it like feel it like like look around all the all, all the great things that have happened to us we're able to communicate and we're thousands of miles apart that's insane you know 
we're insane. Ask yourself if you'd rather, like sometimes people say, oh, the kid these days, ask yourself if you'd rather live in any other uh, country. Ask yourself if you live in any other time uh, of history. We are beyond lucky. Right. I mean, we're just hit the freaking lottery. Right. So it's just blowing my mind. I just every time I say I just get excited about it, how lucky we are. <laughs> yeah. And it's maybe the default setting of humans to keep progressing, you know, keep wanting more, keep wanting to move forward. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's OK to want more, but let's understand what we have and to go more. Right. I mean, For sure. you yeah. don't have the thing that you just uh, it's a fiction of your imagination, right? You don't you don't have that. You don't have the win with the aces, right? So what you have is you're lucky enough to be able to sit at the poker table. So that's, you know, that's... And if, if you zoom out and reflect, right? Which, you know, I have uh, zoomed out and reflected um, a decent amount over the course of my life. And one thing that, I, that kind of struck me as, like, interesting is um, on just, like, a day, right? How often do you feel sad how often do you feel low energy how often do you feel like you're looking forward to something else in the future that's going to give you happiness right like how often does this occur in your day-to-day -day life and when you start stacking those days on top of each other what you come to realize is like holy shit if this is how i spend every day and every day i have these thoughts then 95 percent of my life is going to be these days this is at the end of my life this will be my life right right if you, play, if you play a poker tournament and you're miserable, and every time you play poker, you're yelling at people and you're miserable, then at the end of your poker career, at the end of your life, you will have been miserable over 90% of the time that you're sitting down at the card table. What a fucking waste. What a wasted opportunity to me. Um, so just you play poker, you win, you lose. Guess what? You're feeling emotions. You're alive. You have a central nervous system. You have memory. You're a human being and it's a blessing and right. it's limited. It's not an, an unlimited time that we get here. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And just one practical advice for tournament players versus cash game players. This applies a lot to poker. If you decide to be a tournament player, keep in mind that you're, from a practical standpoint, you're setting up yourself for many failures, right? More than cash game players, right? Because cash game players, let's say they win 70% of the time. If you're a tournament player, you're going to lose about 80% of the time. So that type of, unless you find a way to deal with that, your life is going to be 80% failure, you know, and 20% success, whatever you want to call it. And, and sometimes even cashing is going to feel like a failure because you didn't you didn't make it to the top. So these I don't are know real about you. Second second place feels like a failure to me. I agree, hundred percent. Right? Like you know, like I, I've never I've never felt good playing tournaments, which is the reason why I'm not playing them. But that that's just me. But what I'm saying is, what you just said has a practical application. Daniel yeah. Kahneman talks about that when he's actually criticizing Taleb for his barbell strategy, who's like, okay, all I need is to hit it big, sacrifice little, 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 and then I win big, and I. That was a great strategy. It's plus EV, blah, 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 blah. But then Dan Kahneman says, then you're going to feel like a loser 99.9% of the days, similar for tournament players. So this is something to consider. I'm not saying you should go left or you should go right, but this is something to consider. And that's what we yeah. hope to do. You know? Yeah, you just need to resolve with, resolve that within yourself. right? Correct. And learn that, yeah, this, this is the path that you chose. And so like, instead of complaining about the, every step you take and every perceived failure, well, just recognize this is the path you chose and enjoy the journey while you're on it. Enjoy the pain. Enjoy it. Just enjoy um, having to find resolve and trying to do better and the growth and all, all this stuff. Cause like, this is why we're here. This is what we're doing. And if you don't enjoy that, 
go do something else with your life. Really. Um, exactly. That's all I have for entitlement. Excellent mm -hmm. note to, to, to close. It, it's a beautiful right. message. Let's uh, call it. Thank you all for listening and greatnessvillage.com. If you want to hop in there, give us suggestions about future topics. Take care Hello. and we'll see you next Thank week. Thank you, Kyle, for the topic. Shout out again. And, Shout uh, out to Kyle right at the last second. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. Peace. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.